You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. I was just doing my 10 seconds of silence that we do before the uh, after the show to get our noise levels right, and I was listening to a dog bark outside. So I basically recorded 10 seconds of this dog barking, and every second there was a dog bark. <laughs> I was watching and it, there was a dog bark on each second. So if you hear a dog barking in this show, we can't control other people's dogs. And I'm not, we don't share a brain or anything, but I'm going to speak for both of us that we don't dislike the dogs. No, I... I the I, dogs I, are like, fine. There are other dogs who like to go outside and they wander around and they're funny to talk to and they're curious and they're just little creatures that do their thing. However... I prefer the dogs to the when people. When you have a... I won't start the show off with the F word, but you have someone who... Yeah, you do oh, lower the tone of this show, Carla. <laughs> you have some owner. This was not the before the after the show discussion, but we're going to pull it in here. This mm-hmm. is the after the before the after the show discussion. <laughs> when you have an owner person who just at supper time, because the dog's been inside all day, throws the dog outside. You don't, if you look outside now, we're surrounded by eight houses, eight plots, all of whom have dogs. Yep. And it's always the same. 6 p.m. or so, they all get shoved outside. Because they want peace and, and the, quiet the in the house. And the people go in the house. No one stays outside and plays with the dog or talks with the dog or throws a stick with the dog. And a lot of times the dogs are at the door, at the sliding glass door, because we see the backs of most houses where we are, barking, 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 like, why? I've done my business. It took me two seconds. I'm ready to come in. Or they start barking at each other. Or the back of the lawnmower. And the just don't. And yeah. that's acceptable. If a dog's just outside doing its thing with the people who are supposed to be caring for it, that's acceptable. I say keep the dogs, lose the people. <laughs> or let the dogs be outside more <laughs> often in a normal, like, like to anesthetize them to every little thing. Like, we have lots of squirrels and rabbits. They're dogs, right? But if you, I don't know. It's just so. And then what's the next time of day when they all come out? 10.30. 10 p.m. Yeah. In the night. It's 10. Th- um, that is, the owners are going to bed. They want the dog to have a shit before they go to bed. But then they leave it out for half an hour. Longer than that. It goes yeah. on until, like, midnight sometimes. It's it, insane. Yeah. No, people don't give a shit about other people. That's All dogs. the thing. <laughs> they think they're caring for their dog. But they, yeah. but here's the thing. If I took, and let's be old school here, but put my boom box, which I don't even own, on the deck at 1030 at night, turned the, loud, the volume up to the level of the dog's barking that could go the distance of the dog barking, what do you think would happen? Someone would call the yeah, fucking cops. Yeah, of course oh, they would. I mean, the effort. Oh, 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 you're lowering the tone. <laughs> Someone would call the police, and I would then say, "Oh, right. Well, I'm just trying to drown out the other noise in the neighborhood. We do have noise ordinances here, and they will come and tell the people to put the dog in, but you can't do it every day." No. So that is our dog talk um, <laughs> rant. From A the silly dot. Dog. <laughs> so it is Saturday, April the 11th, and we're looking at, after the show number 371, the 371st podcast about movies. We review a Blu-ray each week, and this week's movie review is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's a 2014 movie. You can actually get it on Blu-ray right now. Um, it's from our friends at Paramount. And, Sid Talk, give us a synopsis. Synops- synops- synopsis? Yeah. The synopsis of uh, Ninja Turtles 3D, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3D. 
Well, I can't because I had no 3D reference, so there you go. <laughs> we don't watch it in 3D. I think 3D's an important. I so actually will look at it in 3D. I've I know got 3D. To- it does absolutely nothing for me, but maybe I have a good imagination. And when I'm watching a film and some things are flying at me, I get it. They're flying at me. I don't need a trick of the brain to lazy me up to me. Oh, whatever. I know you love 3D. It's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Gee, many Christmas. They're a bunch of turtles who had some genetic shit injected in them and now so many years later they're like these massive ninja whatever's that have been trained by a rat everybody knows the story the rat the turtles the girl the girl is a reporter kind of boring but there's a bad guy shredder and of course modern day there has to be other other players in the story and uh that's it really four heroes in a half shell i don't really know if there needs to be a synopsis for this <laughs> it's not like all of a sudden it turned into like you know the right, English so patient versus the Ninja no, not at all. In fact, <laughs> that would be a good one. In fact, this is a, a Michael Bay produced movie. It's not directed by him, but produced. So it's it's not Lars and the Real Turtle. No, <laughs> that that would be an interesting one. I'm just saying, isn't it? It's pretty basic. Yeah, and so, if you don't know anything about the Ninja Turtles yet, after 30 years of them being a thing. Or however long it's been. So let's uh, start with what is your relationship to the N- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in, in from the back in the day when they were the biggest Zero. thing ever? Zero back in the day. I was a girl, I guess, and that sounds really sexist, but I was also completely uninterested. And I was older at the time when they were coming around. It was the eight. I was more of a Smurfs and um, Dil- uh, not Dilbert. Oh my god. Um, I forget his little name now. Other cartoon people. Snoopy. No, well, I like Snoopy, but. Well, Smurfs was more. I was, you know, if I had a thing, I had a little keychain and all that kind of stuff. But um, I didn't really ever, ever watch any Ninja Turtles until I became a nanny. Now that would have been the late nineties. That, that, that was that. That was that. Mid nineties. Read the nineteen ninety four one. When one. there was yeah. movies, cartoon, and all of it was on videotape. And the six children I was a nanny for age range from. Five months, there was twins at five months, two three-year-olds, a cousin was also there, and one of their cousins, a, a nine-year-old and a ten-year-old. All boys except for one. So, we would have Ninja Turtles on as soon as breakfast hit, all day, over and over and over. So, you you watched enough. The boys knew how to turn on the VCR and get the thing in there. I didn't really pay attention, but that was my exposure to it. Then later saw the movie. They had the movie. It was fun. It was just fun. I was never that intrigued by it. I remember no. the comics or anything. No, I never read the comics. I watched the cartoon show in the 80s because it was on Saturday morning cartoons with everything else. So I ended up watching it. It was never my favorite thing. You know, I didn't... And it was huge, Turtles. I mean, it was huge. I, I can remember going to Blackpool <laughs> for our for a day out, like, with my mum and dad. Or, and... It was at the height of the turtles being a big with my grandma and stuff, and everything was turtles. There was, t- you know, you could buy T-shirts. There was the masks that you can wear. Kids were wandering around with the masks on. Uh-huh. Kids were wandering around with plastic shells on the backs. It was. I can remember thinking, "Wow, this thing is huge." You know, it's like I was into Star Wars, and I was like, "Wow, this turtles thing's bigger than Star Wars." Like, because all I can see is turtles as far as the eyes can see. You know, it was right at that very height of it. But I was never. Super into it. I did like it because they were, you know, superheroes in a way. Uh, 
And, you yeah, know, Heroes in a Half Shell. And I did see the movies. And those movies, if you go and watch them now, are very, very cheesy and not actually good movies really at all. Like they, they like the Super Mario Brothers movie. They're actually of that quality. Are you talking about the ones with the one Corey the, Feldman? Yeah, those the Vanilla Ice. Yeah, the, those they're not good movies. They're no, really, really no. of the time. They've not aged well at all, and they were just made, you know. Ghostbusters, for instance, which is another big thing. I think those movies hold up today. You can watch them today and they're not terrible. And they've... Do you know what I'm saying? The special yeah. effects still actually are pretty good for Ghostbusters. You can watch it today, and it? But Turtles, it's really, really showing its age. So I can see why somebody wanted to bring it right up to date, and this movie does. Now, uh, let me ask you, what did you think of the modern version of the Turtles movie? Okay. I should give a disclaimer that I can be quite snotty and dismissive if people haven't listened before. Oh, yes, you can. <laughs> I'm not critical as in review critical. I'm not a critic. I know what I like, and I will tell you if I think something's, ugh, you know, eye-rollingly annoying. And I really enjoyed it. Like, I really, really enjoyed it. There are a few things that meant I, I could have absolutely done without Megan Fox. Not because of any reason other than she could have been absolutely anybody. She brings, I mean, literally nothing interesting to this movie at all. Not one single thing. I've seen her face. I've seen her body. I've seen her hair. She's nothing to me. Like, and it, I was, like, really hoping because I have not been a huge fan. I liked her in... Um, Jessica's body. Is that her name? Jennifer's body. Jen, yeah. Jennifer's body. That was good. She did a good job in that one. Everything else, it's like she's non-existent. And so that was unfortunate because you could have really had somebody interesting and... She was in This Is 40 as well. I actually liked her in that. I know she wasn't in it a lot, but I just thought she was all right in that one. All right. Yeah, yeah. But still. Yeah. There's just nothing there. And that's unfortunate because obviously this role, April O'Neil, is a he- in this story... Because the story, I assume, is different than is in the comics. Yeah. Okay. This is a new telling of how they became the turtles and all that stuff. I mean, stuff. It's, it, it shares a lot of likenesses, but it's different. But the actual origin yeah. with her so integral to the yeah. whole story uh, is Which different. I actually kind of like. Yeah. So making her that important, that is the only thing that was... And it wasn't... I'm not even negative. I'm neutral. She... She just... I, I, I care about April Neal, the character, because of how they tell her story. But she is nothing. Um... It's unfortunate. And the other thing was, and I think I had the same problem with um, Winter Soldier. Right. That you bring this guy, this robotic, genetically mutated guy with the one arm and everything. And he's, you know, really intimidating, really powerful. And then you stick him on a street with a bunch of cars and a bunch of people and big buildings. And his menace, even though it's... Is destruction. Yeah, it's, but it's lessened because he's, now he's just on the normal scale with everybody else. So you take Shredder, and he's got this massive... Robot like, suit type Robot thing. suit, and you know he's powerful, you know he's 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 uh, merciless. He has no mercy on anybody at any time, right? Ooh, that's powerful. You hear him speak, and he's powerful. You know he's been a bad guy. You know he has really bad um, motives. He, he wants to be the ruler of a... You know, he wants to be the empire emperor or something like that. I wasn't clear on that part, but I didn't care. But then you put him in his suit, 
and you stick him on top of a big, huge building, and then he's over there plunking buttons on a computer, and you're like, that's just a guy in a suit, you know? <laughs> and I was, like, trying really hard because I, the turtles, I get, they're just, they're mutant turtles, so they're already huger than they should be. More huge. That means they're human size. they're even a little bit bigger than humans. Bigger, yeah. So no matter where they are, I'm impressed with their <laughs> mutantness, you know? But Shredder, he needed to be like 50 feet tall or something. I don't know what it was. Or it was have like, a big, big machine or something that he's right driving. Something like a where he, yeah, he, there's a bigger thing involved. And that was, that's, their battle and everything was good. I even liked the fight scenes in this movie. The snow thing was amazing. The truck, all that stuff. So something in my mood today made me really open to the adventure of it. I mean, it seems kind of small and encapsulated because it is New York City in peril at this time. Big city, but it still feels really very, 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 very claustrophobic. Like, you know. But I had a really good time and I liked them. I got over the little... The thing of them not looking like real enough to be in the world. But then I kind of got over that pretty quick. It was well done. It just... My yeah, brain, I think it, my I, brain doesn't easily trick. I think the CG was like... Like, really out... Really out, good. It was like Transformers standard. Like, you know when you watch Michael Bay's Transformers and we say, oh, those... It's just like, wow. Right, but them, you... I'm convinced, my brain and my eyes are convinced that that robot is 60 feet high. And it's different and it's because these are... They're living, organic. breathing creatures. Yeah. So, because they put that extra shine on them and they give them, like, a super smooth thing where... I've seen real turtles in real life and they... You know, if we're going, we're trying to make him look like a real thing. That's the only thing. But I, I actually kind of, I just sort of talked myself out of it very soon to the, very soon after it started because I really liked the whole of it. Then, of course, we have the Michelangelo character, which I find effing annoying. That sort of like the dopey dippy. Hey, man, I know he's the cowabunga dude and everything, yeah. but he doesn't Surf have to be a, an idiot. Yeah. And you, oh, he, this Michael Bay thing, I know he didn't direct it, but it's like he thinks that's hilarious. It's definitely, even though Michael Bay didn't direct this, he's definitely in there. Yeah, like, oh, he, that's he, a big thing. Obvious. Every single one of his movies has to throw some stereotypical, inappropriate, dummied down character that I guess the stupidest people in the audience can be like, yeah, man. And this, <laughs> this is really a kid's kind of thing. But then again, like... Yeah, but why dummy it down for kids? Kids are fine with the Raphael who's tougher and he's, you know, more mature and he wants, you know... I mean, I they even it. have a fart joke in this movie. Yeah, I can yeah. accept that. Yeah. I mean, I understand. It's the fun here. I, I'm not completely without a sense of humor, even though some people might disagree with I, that. I actually thought the personality shone through on them. Absolutely. I, I was thinking, oh, it's probably going to be dumb, like, really, they're going to be really dumb, but, like, I got to care about them, like, and, yes. you know, they don't exist. They're just... what, what movie could have uh, benefited from that? Uh, yeah, The Hobbit. Yeah. <laughs> to make each of those people yeah. give me something in their dialogue and in their mannerisms that stands out to me, and in this one it might be hokey, because Michelangelo got on my nerves just because I, I realized someone wrote the dialogue coached the person doing the dialogue and they all supported it all the way through and then when it comes out at the end it's like this ignorant he's he's a good guy and everything but i mean that like if i had a teenage son i would not allow him to be like that it's embarrassing so i i really like the first time the turtles show up in this movie <laughs> yeah. in the, in the it takes a while which is yeah good. and it does really good I, I actually thought definitely thought that to myself wow we're, we're probably 25 minutes in yeah. and we haven't seen them yet but when they do show up, I felt they're heroes. Like that, yep. 
they're not here to like do harm. They're here to save people. Like, because this is why a, would you think they were doing harm? Well, you know, like they made them a that not do harm, but they made them a little bit more sinister looking in this one. I thought the more realistic look. I thought they were going. I thought, well, Michael Bay's in charge. They look a bit more realistic than they sh- than they ever have done. Why would they be sinister? They're the a, teenagers. A bit Ninja darker, Turtles. maybe. I thought, well, maybe there's some twist here, but it's no. It's the turtles you like and love, and it's not. Yeah, I, I'm not hundred percent fond of the character designs of them. I find them a little bit rubbery or something. Yeah, they yeah. good, the CG and everything, but there's something about the character designs are a little bit. They're not it's cute enough for me or something. Cute. Like, they're really cute in the cartoon, obviously. They were cute. Like, the cartoon's very... It's basic. The colors... Yeah, but if you made them cuter, they'd be less realistic. Yeah, but I don't know... I say make them more realistic. Less shiny, less roundy, more turtly, more reptilian. But would then let their personalities in there and their accoutrement, which is all their... Um, each of them have their own style. And, and that was always stuff. my favorite thing. Like, the, the these, these turtles... They were brought up in the sewers underneath t- <laughs> underneath Times Square. Oh, wait a minute. You sound crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but they, I've always thought that was a cool idea. They, and the idea of them being... Um, they've been growing up throughout the 80s and uh, and 90s. And pop, they're into pop culture. And it shows on them. Like, they have, they have things wrote on the shelves. They have, like, certain things that they carry with them. You know, chains and stuff. And the idea is that pop culture spills down into the sewers from Times Square because people throw flyers away and throw yeah. cups cups away and and they then they fall down the sewers and they find them and they're like, Wow, Star Wars, that's cool. And they know all these things. They even mention like, This is our Hogwarts, this is our they've gone through all of those things and they suck it all up. I I always love that. And they do come through with that in here. Because in this movie they've never been out of the sewer. No. Um well, but they, they, they have, they, they sneak have out on little missions, right? They have to have it, because they have lots of equipment. Yeah, I mean, they do sneak out. Splinter doesn't allow them to go out, but they do sneak out, because we see them um, sneaking well, out. Well, not only that, but they have computers yeah, and things. cabling yeah. and loads a of A lot things. of boomboxes. Well, lots of pizza. They must have got those boomboxes during the 80s, because uh, <laughs> they, that must have been... It's mission, go and get boomboxes, because we're on a... There's a whole wall inside Or, them. you could think, those are boomboxes that ended up in the trash and got knocked. Thrown on the street side. But it's cool because the turtles relate to a boombox because in the old movies, the boombox, you know, they, one of them but carried a boombox. Not in, they don't because they didn't come around in this movie until 1999. No. So they know nothing of the 80s except No, they the don't, boombox. but I mean, they, this movie is definitely. Want them re- to. But this movie's also definitely referencing. Because how are they teenagers if they, they were started in 1999? Get it? In 1999 is when, in this story, yes. the shit hit the fan and yes. they went to the sewer. And it's but now, they're teenagers now, and it's now 2015. 14, he said. But still. I guess that's 16 years. 15 yeah. years. Still teenagers. Yeah, true. Um, and that's another thing that's cool about them, that they are te- they, they mess around with each other, they're like brothers, they... Mm, that like, part I can also do without, but I, I get I, I actually thought it was well done here, and I felt like when they were in peril, three of them were in peril, yeah, one of, course. of them... Like, I really felt, you know, yep. there's no way I'm letting them be in peril. I'm, I, I'll do anything to save them. Uh, I really liked that scene with the um, avalanche. There, yeah, so. it was really good. I was like, the yeah, whole time. it was one of those, like, where I was like, wow. You've never seen that before? It's a lot of special effects all at once. It like, takes like, a Ooh. lot for me. In movies, that have big action. We've seen a lot of things over and over. We've seen cars flip. We've seen things blow up. We've seen avalanches. We've seen semi-trucks get flipped in movies. Yep. We've seen... 
It was very We've bondage. seen entire planets blow up. We've seen entire planets being created. Galaxies. Uh, you know. Tour of the... What's it called? The one with uh, the Hobbit. But... A Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yes. We've seen a planet factory. So we've seen lots of cool things. You know, visually. So sometimes you get a little jaded. Like, oh, okay, I've seen enough explosions to last me forever. But then all of a sudden, somebody will do something, a series of action things that I've never seen, and that is interesting to me. A semi. Driving an avalanche. down a, a ski slope, basically. <laughs> yeah. Well, it wasn't. It was just nature. Well, I mean, like a steep. Right. Alpine. It's not a ski scope or anything. It's just yeah. the side of a mountain and the snow and then them going from vehicle to vehicle. And yes, I've seen vehicles fly in the air and stuff. And but because of the way he added his, the turtle guy, knowing that he did that, and he's all excited, right in the middle of it all. It's actually really like funny. That. It's like an action sequence where they can, because of the nature of the turtles, and it, they, they can stick all that, yeah. Yeah, and it's actually funny when he said, you know, when he said, oh, I've got to save April, and I've got to save Raph, and I've got to save, and I've got to save that guy. other guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you know, there's just funny stuff, in, and it's like that a lot, all the way through, and I thought that was going to be the annoying part. It's going to be full of this, like, you know, just... And it is, but it's... Dumb, kind of. And I'm not... I don't like that either, but I felt it was balanced, except for the Michelangelo character. He needed to not be such an idiot. Now, we might sound like we liked it a lot. And I did, I, like, I the did like it, but it, it, I have to preface liking it with it is really also dumb in a Michael Bay kind of way. <laughs> yeah. A lot. A lot of dumb, like, there's a lot of things where you're like, oh, why is this happening now? Um, there's no, you know, it, you have to leap a lot with your mind. Like, there's a lot of, <laughs> um, you know, it, and it does. It's not got a massive runtime. It's only an hour and forty minutes, which I thought I thought was fine because it doesn't need tons of like. No, that was just fine. Yeah, it doesn't need to be a like the Transformers movies are almost three hours. It doesn't need that, but um, I do feel like it was they were rushing it along a lot in the middle, like like by sacrificing like some plot maybe for just to get to the next yeah, fast part. Like, so it did. That part, all that stuff, made it feel a little bit hollow to me. Like it does, it wasn't fully realized, you know. Like it felt slightly. But that's empty. the idea, isn't it? We're introducing them to us. Yeah. We're seeing who the black guy is, that the potential of the bad guys, the motive of the bad guy, how strong these guys' bond is. We're meeting everybody. Introducing like, the turtles. Yeah. And- so that's really all it is about. Which I find really shitty these days that you have to have a whole movie just to get your movie franchise started. And then if that franchise doesn't work, you've got a half-assed movie on your hands. Because yeah, just you're setting up the rest of it when then you never finish it. So, But it, it encapsulates itself enough, that one little story. But I agree with you, like, they tried really to quickly tell you her backstory. And we got that. I get it. Yeah. Kind of, sort of. We don't get the... And we get the bad guys backstory really quick you don't get splinters and then they waste or... time on superfluous stuff like Whoopi Goldberg <laughs> that's your least favorite thing in the movie yeah well it's superfluous it's not it's just look we've got Whoopi Goldberg so here's here's her bit like it is if you took that bit out it would all work yeah if she if Fable yeah. never had to go through either of those little segments right that would have given you seven or eight more nine minutes more time with the turtles yeah or yeah. just more time with or her. with the bad guys or anything. Like, with some more setup for something. Like, that's what I was thinking. There was there was a bit of that. There was, like, her friend who she... Like, April O'Neil's friend is completely useless. It's, yeah. like, nothing. It goes nowhere. Those things nothing. are nothing. It's oh. a joke, actually. It, it amounts in... Yeah. She thinks April's crazy and then she... Mom, I'm gonna have to and come And Whoopi Goldberg thinks she's crazy. Yeah, that's mm. all it amounts to. And a colleague who she works with in the news van also thinks she's but crazy. But then we have another roommate... 
who is a huge feature part of a movie that we just watched recently. His name's Floyd. Yeah. And he does little more than that, and yet huge impact. Yeah. He's basically a... <laughs> and it's not because it's Brad Pitt, because we don't know who the hell Brad Pitt was back in the day, but there's something about Floyd. In true romance. <laughs> yeah, in true... Well, but yeah, there know, is a if lot... If you don't know who I'm talking about, come on. You there is a lot of fiddly Michael Bay stuff in this movie. Yes. And I'm a fan of Michael Bay. I'll always tell you I'm a fan, and people will say, you idiot, why, why do you like his movies? <laughs> I do like his movies. I I understand that they're kind of dumb, and they are a lot he of the time. He knows the hero moment. Yeah. He knows the motive. He plays to the crowd, doesn't yeah. he? And that's all he do, really does. Like, Armageddon is made for people to whoop and holler in the crowd, right? When, yeah. when the cool shit happens. That's what it is. And so is Transformers. And so is this. But it's very dumb, and he's... It's quite obvious that Michael Bay has some kind of thing about race he really that he can't, that he trips up on a lot. Like, he's like, he puts stupid racist characters in. He's quite obvious he's a sexist. Even in this movie, which is made for kids, there is a scene where the reporter dude stares at her ass. And says, yeah. oh, keep doing that, keep doing that. Like, she's looking out of the window, taking photographs. And all we see in the cab is uh, April O'Neil's ass. And he makes the joke of, like, keep taking those photos, you're doing a good job. You know, it's like, very typical Michael Bay. We we saw how Michael Bay filmed. And sleazy. Yeah, sleazy. So yeah. sleazy. And we saw how Michael Bay is very sleazy with his very, very hot ladies in the Transformers movies. He's The very first shot we ever see of Megan Fox in Transformers, she is, like... She's in the shortest shorts you've ever seen, like like dripped over a bike. Do you remember? It's like, yeah. and it's so ridiculous. It's like, um. So yeah, Michael Bay does have some fishy goings on with his movies. Absolutely. And they do carry. If you watch any of his movies, they are filmed in that way. And I know this isn't his movie, so I shouldn't. But he did produce this movie, so he did have heavy involvement in it. But yeah, all if you don't like Michael Bay and you watched this, you'll probably <laughs> you'll see his stuff. And that's what it is. It's like sexist and racist and... I mean, this one isn't... Well, that's a strong word. This one's not racist, but there's something a bit fiddly about his portrayal of minorities. It's a bit fiddly. It doesn't seem right. Yes, I agree. It's not like, I'm going to have this awesome black character who everybody loves. It's not. It's like, uh, I've got a black character, so he's going to be like... He's going to be the joke. The stooge. Yeah, and it's... Absolutely runs through almost every single. If you think about it, every single I Michael mean, Bay movie. The 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 second Transformers movie with those ghetto kind of like what were? They? Or is it us being racist because we identify that stereotype so strongly? Yeah, and he has he has it all. Or over. Or is he trying to do it to just be like? It's a funny thing, but it's not a funny thing. No, it's very it's, very pointed. It's real old fashioned, isn't it? It's and strange. He has like. I don't know. He does it in most of those Transformers movies. I think he, I, I think he's done it in other movies too. You sure, know, it's just odd. <laughs> so let's move on to the cast here. Uh, Megan, do you think everyone's just afraid to tell him to his face, or do you think everybody in that? I think they all like it, probably. Or like no, his sense of humor and just let him do it. <laughs> like, but like, it's like it just makes a fool out of people, and I think it's that's a that cheapens it a little bit to me. Uh, so Megan Fox plays April O'Neil. Um, you know what? She's. I didn't mind her in this movie. She, you know, she's not a great actress. It's obvious. But I think she did a fairly good job of being April O'Neil. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. 
But also she could, there's, she's completely replaceable. This is my problem with some performers. There's nothing interesting about her to me at all. All I feel like they're doing is waiting for the next opportunity to watch her very closely from behind, wiggle away from the camera, bend over in front of the camera, reach your arms up so that you're seeing her whole torso and barely ever even caring what she's saying half of the time. Yeah, I I do believe that. That's all it's for. And if she then would have a role where she does none of that, just see her. And if she's, if Megan Fox is what's important, that I would be willing to go for. But it never is. I mean, it, it seems to me Michael Bay has to have a really, really sexy lady. Like, like that's a priority for him in some way, and it is in all his... Do you think it's just because he knows people are idiots? I think it's, I think it's a clever thing of people want to watch this. Like, the, the lowest common denominator. That's not clever then, is it? Well, I think it's like a business thing. Then. Yeah, like that's a, not clever. That's like... I mean, I, I, what I mean is he's not, not aware of what he's doing. He's like, no, of course. He's like, people like looking at sexy ladies or hot men. We will have those in all our movies. Like, that, that is a priority for and us. And the, uh, the very kind of even more annoying thing is that her character is saying, because she's, her character is being featured as this, like, fluff reporter, right. that even she is tired of that. She wants yeah. to do something meaningful. Well, that's exactly the point. Yeah. Maybe that was what I was, like, pointing at that, like. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it also, I don't know, it's its odd. And I don't think she did a terrible job of it. She, there's a lot of overacting what she does when she's having to react to the turtles who are not actually there. And Like, she does a lot of that. It'd be tough, though, but staring yeah. Staring up. And but they're really there. They are there, but then it's not 100%. Sometimes it doesn't look like she's looking, looking in the right place or whatever, but I don't know. A That's bit. a technical thing. But um, I actually thought she was okay in it. Like, uh, Will Arnett plays uh, Verun Fenwick. I, um, he seems to... It seems to me also that Michael Bay picks a particular style of people. And he actually fits that to me. He's like a smart-ass kind, smart-assy kind of comedian who I don't think was utilized properly in this movie. I, I think there was... I think he could have been a good, really good character, but because the the runtime was shorter and there wasn't much to do, they just didn't use him. Like, I didn't find him interesting at all. I think he could have been though, is what I'm saying. Like, I, based on I, what? I like I like the guy, the actor, and hmm. um, they just didn't utilize him. They folk they didn't focus on him. Like, he was there in a, in some of the action, but that was really what he was there. Like, you know, things were moving fast when he was in it, so he didn't really get a chance to know who he is. Um, another Michael Bay favorite, William Fickner. Plays Eric Sachs, the, yeah. the bad guy, and you know he's I, I've he's been in army. He was in army. He's that guy. Yeah, he's a, he's a Michael <laughs> Bay person. He, he appears in a lot of his movies. Um, I really always, li- I, I like, like him, him, but he's always the same. Yeah, he's always the same, and in this he's very he's a very stereotypical villain. I shouldn't say that he isn't always the same. There was a movie we watched not too long ago where it was it was different, but I mean when he plays this kind of guy, he's always the same. Yeah, and he wears his bad guy black suit, <laughs> and he kind of. <laughs> In his middle-aged way, he tries to be all <laughs> bad, like, you know. But I like him as a character actor. I, I do like him a lot. I really like him in Armageddon. Um, so the the turtles are played by, well, as far as I'm concerned, unknown people, because I don't know any of them, to be honest. They're not like, you know. But one of the turtles, they chose to change these two. Let's explain how it's done. The four turtles are done by motion capture, kind of like Gollum is done in Lord of the Rings. They're in... 
um, mocap suits. So it's these four young actors in these mocap suits, and they do, they're there, and then they're CG replaced into the movie. Now they all use they use the voices of three of them, but Raphael, uh, is it Raphael? They've changed. Yeah, it is. No, it's not. It's Leonardo. Sorry. Yeah. Now he's actually paid by Pete Plosek, but they changed his voice to Johnny Knoxville's voice, and I, I don't even think it was necessary. Yes, I could tell it was Johnny Knoxville because I know his voice quite well. I couldn't. But when I see this Pete guy being interviewed in the extras, I was like, it wouldn't have made any difference if it was him talking. No. And I felt like it was a bit odd that they would only replace one of them. It's rude. Yeah. Because these other three friends there who loved playing the turtles, they all, they all seem like they loved playing the turtles. I, I got that from the yeah. interviews. Imagine, you know, you're playing the turtles and then they tell you, oh, well, you know, we like your performance, but we're not going to use your voice at all. It'd be like, I know, what was that conversation like? It's like a kick in the balls. Then they're in the, he's in the extras talking about yeah. his performance. Oh, he loved it. So, yeah, the four turtles are played by these four dudes. Alan Richton plays Raphael. Noel Fisher plays Michelangelo. Uh, Pete Plosek plays Leonardo, but voiced by Johnny Knoxville. And uh, Donatello's Jeremy Howard. And Tony Shalhoub is Splinter. Um, but he's only the voice of Splinter. Splinter is actually played by another guy. Uh, Splinter was cool. I really liked Splinter. I always liked Splinter in the original. Um, he's kind of gross looking in this one a bit. <laughs> yeah. Like, like he, I imagine he really smells, you know. <laughs> he's in the sewer and he's a rat. But I love. I always loved his like. These are my boys. Like I, I'm the father. I look after these boys. I have to shelter them from the world. The world is bad. I don't really want. I want to protect them. And I felt that from him. And it, he was really good. But yeah, he's a bit creepy looking and a bit hairy. But he is a rat, you're yeah. right. Um, they got him more real, even though he was shiny and very But it was, he was, I bought him, yeah. Like, yeah, the whole thing about him. I liked how he looked. That uh, dog is driving me insane. I had not even thought about it recently. Oh, don't think about it. So Whoopi Goldberg <laughs> plays Bernadette Thompson. And I said to you, she's like the J. Jonah Jameson character. She's the boss of April O'Neil. She's literally in it a couple of minutes. And I, there's something about Whoopi Goldberg I just cannot stand. I don't know what it is. <laughs> But I don't even like watching a do act. I just I was like, oh. You never have. No, I never have. And in this movie, she actually brings nothing to the movie. I don't disagree. Um, if she wasn't, if you cut, if I just went on my computer now and put and made my cut of this movie and just took that scene out and threw it away, and then it would just it wouldn't matter. No, because she all. even though he comes to her and she says, "I've just been." Yeah, it wouldn't You wouldn't matter. need to know the whole conversation. No. So I think you could just chop that bit out and throw it away. It's just Whoopi Goldberg wanted to be in this movie. She was a big fan of the Turtles, so were her kids. And then they're like, oh, Whoopi Goldberg, yeah. yeah. And then finally, and I really liked, and I think un- this one underutilized too, um, Mine Noji plays the female um, bad... Kind of, she's kind of like a henchman, like a yeah. Bond girl, I would say, like a, a bad Bond girl. And she plays Karai. And she's awesome, right? She's and, and I felt like um, intimidated by her, and but then they just misuse her, and she's not really. Yeah, she gets. Then we never even know no. what becomes of her. No, so so she's probably going to be in another one, like I, I imagine, or something. But she was really underutilized. It was almost like, like I said to you, they had something going with her a plot, but they kind of reined it in because they wanted to 
I don't think so. She's just a henchman. She doesn't have a plot. No, I mean, they might have had more to do, but that would come in another film, like, because they really wanted to get mm. this origin story. Only if you ever turn good. That's really all you But she's do. totally, she's totally underutilized in this movie, because she, she looks cool. She's, she actually is an intimidating thing. More intimidating than William Fichtner. Yeah, definitely. But then not. But he's not supposed to be. Cause... Right. So, uh, directed by Jonathan Lee. I know we mentioned Michael Bay so many times, but actually the director is Jonathan Liebsman, and he directed Wrath of the Titans, uh, Battle Los Angeles, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Beginning. So he's done... Actually, uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Beginning was a Michael Bay production also. So he's worked... Uh, and Wrath of the Titans wasn't bad. I, I prefer Clash of the Titans, to be honest. It was kind of like, to me, a sequel that almost didn't need making. It was just... Meh. You know? Yeah. But Battle Los Angeles, I quite enjoyed. I thought that was a pretty cool yeah, movie. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. He directs it well. He directs it like Michael Bay would direct it. I feel that Michael Bay was telling him what to do because there are shots in this movie I would swear were done by Michael Bay. Yep. Like, like you can see, you can see Michael Bay's shots. They're very extravagant. They're very deliberate. There's, you know, like the, the they look gorgeous. Michael, if you hate him or you love him, Michael Bay's shots look gorgeous. He really knows how to film stuff. Like it, it always looks gorgeous, and I think that's his mo. He, he wants everything. That's why he chooses the sexy women, and he chooses the everything has to look awesome. Like that's his thing. He's good with CGI or whoever does CGI for Michael Bay. But I think this guy must have been under the wing of Michael Bay because it looks too much like Michael Bay was in on it. Like, I agree. Um, so, extras. And there are some extras. This is actually a three-disc set. You get the 3D version, the 2D version, and the DVD as well, and the digital copy. Um, so, there are some extras. Digital reality in your face, the turtles in 3D. They just explain. <laughs> it's kind of really dumb. They go, that guy's comment at the beginning. He's going, um, yeah, we're making this movie in 3D. So what 3D is? And then he, he explains, like, <laughs> it's a uh, blah, 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 blah. We have a foreground, a midground. It's actually three dimensions. I was like, what? Are you, are you actually telling human beings what 3D is? We see 3D all the time. What are you talking about? But um, they kind of show you how deliberately they do the set up a lot of the shots with 3D in mind, so you've always got something going on on all three different pl- planes. Okay, we know that. Yeah. There's also um, It Ain't Easy Being Green, which I actually thought was cool, because it showed you the guys behind the costumes, and showed you them in their mocap suits, and it showed you, the if you're really into the turtles, the actual, um, cave, what, what do you call it, the sewer that they live in. Uh, it showed you how they you know, how detailed it is, again, underutilized in the movie because they spend time there, but you don't get to see it properly. Because it's either, there's either action going on. until you watch the extras. Yeah. There's a lot of action going on during the parts where they're in the sewer. So the camera's moving so fast that you're never going to pick up on the details that there's Pizza Hut furniture and... No, I didn't even notice. No, I know, I know. And they went to a lot of trouble to make Pizza Hut furniture, like out of old pizza boxes and stuff. But yeah, you don't really see it until you get to the extras. There's a music video for Shell Shocked, which is the song at the end, which is not by Vanilla Ice. I was disappointed. There's also the making of the music video, Shell Shocked. There's an extended ending. And there's... Um, that's it, actually. So <laughs> it has a few extras, not a ton. It's not got like a big making of documentary or anything, but I think it's about right for what this is. Yeah, I didn't yeah. care about the extras, so it's fine. 
Um, so, uh, in conclusion, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3D. Fun stuff. It is fun. I think your kids will like it. I think anybody who's really into, we're into the turtles is going to be either on the side where they go, God, this is an absolute abomination of my turtles, or, no, this is fun. I like the new turtles, you know. I don't think you'd come down in the middle with it. I think you'd be Agree. either side. And I, you know, because Ninja Turtles doesn't mean that much to me, it's not Star Wars or whatever I was grown up with, I was okay with it. But I imagine if you're a hardcore fan, you probably just pick the shit out of this movie. Uh, but if you like a good, you know, action-adventure CG fest, this is it. So, uh, moving on to, if you want to enter a contest, go to aschoolie.com. We've got a couple of new ones this week coming up on Monday. Next week's Blu-ray review is Gone Girl, David Fincher's new movie, which I'm excited to see, uh, Ben Affleck. So, uh, yeah, Gone Girl next week. Movie recommendations I am going with on the subject of fun, CGI, and uh, just big summer blockbuster entertainment, Guardians of the Galaxy. One of my favorite films of big Hollywoody blockbustery type of films that I've seen for quite some time. Uh, I actually watched it about three times now. I really <laughs> like it. And my other one is on the subject of ninjas and, uh, you know, sword, uh, samurai fighting, Kill Bill, of which course. is nothing like Ninja Turtles. No. But if you like samurais... You've got a sensei person yeah. and the train, the, the, the student. And lots of uh, sword fighting and blood and guts. So uh, yours are? Mine are... If you, what I was thinking was a movie that has like a true hero moment or that feeling that wells up in you of like someone being an actual hero to kill a mockingbird. And one movie that does nothing to do with any of this, but a movie that is like I was saying, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is what it is. And it's not this, which is Broken Flowers. So there's a person, there are many people who can sit and watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Hoop and holler with Michelangelo, and then you put broken flowers in front of them, which stars Bill Murray. And about ten minutes in, they're gonna be like, "Bored." What's? I don't understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what's going on? Like, I honestly think that, and that's me being bitchy and snotty. But broken flowers is, and it is of its time. If we go back and watch some of those movies, like Five Dollars a Day, Broken Flowers, Lars and the Real Doll. They're also commentary on the moment of filmmaking, where it's like this slow, this, um, not slow, um, oh, what do you call them? Like, just drama? Like, they're um, not just not that. I mean, the style of it. Like, it's, um, homegrown almost. It's independent feeling. It's, yeah, indie movies. Not big, but it's not, an, they're not indie movies. You know, they are, they're done by major people. It's just that they have a different vibe. And there w- there's a section of time that comes around every few years where you get those. There's sort of a response to, I think. I think Life After Beth was one of them. Yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Anything yeah. that's like off that. It's got like famous people in it and everything, but. It but it feels... also has a big. But it also. You can't really say that because it has a huge hook. Yeah, but it Whereas also. Whereas Broken Flowers feel... has nothing yeah, except Yeah, Lost Bill in Murray. Translation would be one of them. Also, Bill Murray. Where it doesn't have like a, like, life after Beth, once you get going, you're like, oh, right. So you, people can buy into it. But Do you Broken mean Flowers. more just a, a life thing. It's just a slice of a thing, and you may not get an explanation fully for what's going on. You are along for the ride, like Punch Drunk Love. Literally, you go for minutes and minutes of watching the roadside go by, listening to a song, watching a person contemplate something, which sounds, I'm sure, enormously boring to some people. More artsy. 
Well, it's not really artsy. I don't know what the word is. It's just not Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> All right, so that, that's our recommendations for this week. Games and A Scully stuff. I have been playing some of the Rainbow Six Siege Alpha. This is um, Ubisoft's new Rainbow Six game. They haven't done a Rainbow Six game for many years. The last one was on the Xbox 360, Rainbow Six Vegas, which was, I would say, six years ago. Um, six, yeah, probably. So they're doing a new Rainbow Six game this year, and there's an alpha available. It's like closed alpha, so it's very difficult to get into it. But they sent me a key this week, and I got in. Um, it's really, really, really rough at the moment. But I, you can expect that from an alpha. It's not even, you know, it's probably like six months down the line when the game comes out. But what I do like about it, which I think is really cool, and if you think... Um, when they said it was coming back Rainbow Six last year at E3, you thought, oh, it's probably going to be like Call of Duty, like a like Ubisoft's version of Call of Duty. It, it isn't actually that at all. It's more like Counter-Strike from back in the day. It's like a very small map, and you're the SWAT team. Well, you, you can be either the bad guys or the good guys, and you're, you're sent in, and you're playing against each other. So what's new about it, though, and cool is... You can, if you're the bad guys, you've got a hostage, and you know, you're, you start off in this room, you've got the hostage, and the, the police are going to try and come and take the hostage, and you've got to stop them doing it. So that's the round, that's how the game works. But you've got cool features, like you can barricade windows up with a hammer and nails. You can make it harder for the police to get into the right, room. that so, is new. So you can, you can, like, fortify the room and then stay in the room. Or you can use other tactics because you're in a house in the map that they give you in the beta, uh, in the alpha. So you can, like, have this six of you. So you could have two of you near the front door and barricade the front door and wait for so them. So that's why it's called Rainbow Six. Yes. Oh. Um, or you could have two of you, or you, six of you just stay in the room, barricade the whole room open, just wait for them to come. But there are really cool, like, gadgets, and the whole world is destructible. And that's what's cool about it. Because imagine in a house, in any other game, if you shoot at a wall, the bullets just absorb into the wall, and that's it. Well, in this game, if I shoot a wall enough, the wall starts to... You know, you start to see the wood inside the wall, and then eventually you see through the wall because there's a gap. Which is what would happen in real life. If I fired a shotgun at the wall right yeah. next to me, there would be a hole in the wall. Like, So you'd be able to see through. So you can blow holes in the wall and then shoot people through the holes in the walls. So you're never safe anywhere because I was laid down thinking I was safe the second game I played in the um, upstairs bedroom. I thought I'll lay down on the floor and if anybody comes through the door, I, I will get a beat on them because I'm on the floor. They're not going to expect me lying on the floor. So I'm lay there. And somebody shoots the ceiling in the room below me and kills me through the ceiling, right? Because they, there's also a gadget called the heartbeat monitor where you can kind of see where people are just for a split second. So this guy had figured out I was laying on that floor and because I didn't move, he just shot the shotgun through the wall, through the ceiling and killed me. So nowhere safe. So it makes it a kind of cat and mouse game of, you know, in any other shooter, if you're behind a wall, you're pretty much in cover and you're safe. In this game, no, because they might shoot the wall. Like, Do you so, like that? Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Um, I think it could be exploited when people get used to it and then make the game not very good. Like if like people just realize, oh, everybody goes there, so just keep shooting that wall. I could see that happening, but as it is now, fresh, it actually works quite good. So that's Rainbow Six Siege. It's coming out in the fall for f the full version. So keep an eye on that one. 
Uh, that's the only game I've actually played new this week, but I do have some other things to mention. True Detective is coming back on June the 21st. There's actually a trailer up on HBO's site if you want to have a look at it. It's like a few minutes long. I watched the trailer. It doesn't really explain anything and there's no spoilers. It's just like a piece of music, like the like the opening tune to the first one. It's a piece of music in that vein and it just shows you some of the main characters. Um, and it just, you know, it blew me away, True Detective, the original one. Um uh, I'm hoping they keep up the quality because it, and it does look good. It looks like, oh, there's a really meaty show to sink your teeth into. And the other thing is, uh, Thunderbirds Are Go, yeah. which we can watch a new episode of today nice. because it came out today. Uh, if, if you're not British, you have no idea who the Thunderbirds are probably, or maybe you do because they did make a feature film with, um, like, Trey and what's his face? Them. Well, no, not that. That was uh, Team America, wasn't oh, it? Oh, right. <laughs> well, Team America. Is of the Thunderbirds. Well, they did make a live-action feature film of Thunderbirds in the early 2000s with um, bloody the guy from Big Love. What's that guy called? You know, Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton was in it, yeah. And it was a thunder, and it was an absolute flop. Nobody, it didn't do very well. Um, but Americans probably got to see Thunderbirds. So the, you know, the five people who went to see it would understand what it is. But anyway, like Doctor Who, it's a show in Britain that's been around. It's not been around for the whole 50 years, but it's 50 years old. And if you have seen Team America World Police, that was a, like, piss take of Thunderbirds, really. I mean, it was... That was an homage. Yeah, an homage. Yeah. Because Thunderbirds was a puppet show on ITV in England 50 years ago. It ran through the 70s. I don't think... Well, it's not called a puppet show. It's called a show... With puppets. Made with puppets, yeah. Puppet shows... Marionettes, specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's an action-adventure... And it's about uh, international rescue. They're a rescue group um, ha- made up of these brothers, the Tracy brothers, that rescue people in peril. And, the, and week to week, they you know rescue people in unique ways. They have vehicles and gadgets like James Bond, you know, kind of thing. And that's pretty much what it is. Like they have a there's a bad guy, you and know. you love it. I watched it throughout my whole childhood. I couldn't wait for it to be on. You know, I wanted the next version, the next episode. And so ITV, 50 years on, for the 50th anniversary of Thunderbirds, have made a remake of Thunderbirds um, with Weta from the Hobbit fame, New, New Zealand people. Let's not say the Hobbit. Let's say. Well, Peter Lord Jackson of the Rings. founded them, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, Lord of the Rings. So the people at Weta teamed up with them to make a CGI version of Thunderbirds uh, and now we watched the first two episodes last week and it really does kind of stick to like the old formula you know like it's got that nostalgia feeling to it like oh my god there's Thunder there's the there's the island there's the you know all the different things about it and all the time I was watching it I was like why does this look so amazing because it looks really it really looks good like a like a Pixar movie I would say like high quality like it for a TV show, the CG and everything just seems wow. This is they're going over and above what the what most people do, right? Even Rebels, Star Wars Rebels, it's not. Star Wars Rebels is really good. It's good, but this. So why did you find out it's so good? Well, there was something about this. I kept looking at it and thinking, wow, this 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 something stunning. Weta have done an amazing job. Why didn't they do that on the Why didn't they do that on the Hobbit? <laughs> So I watched like a making of on YouTube. They have a making of the first episode. And what it is, is Weta built full scale, like I'm talking like... Full scale miniature. 
full-scale, like huge, like a warehouse with the whole set on it. So you have a little tiny miniature set of, it's sort of like um, Wes Anderson's yeah, stop like, frame animation. Yeah, so they've, so they've got this real, real, not real, but a model <laughs> made of, of all the Thunderbirds um, locations. And also all the spaceships and everything that's used, they're all real models. And then that's all filmed, like practically. And then they layer the CGI um, marionettes, I would say, but they're not, you know, they don't look like, they've not got strings or anything, but they're, they're layered in with CG on top of this real world. And it gives it this look where you're like, wow, it, it doesn't look like anything else. It, it's true. It's really different looking. It's hard to, you have to see it to, you know, there was a scene in the second one where there was a big satellite dish and it was, and there was people in peril. And it, I was like, it doesn't look exactly like CG, but then again, it doesn't exactly look like a model. It's like, it's like this fine line in the middle. I don't think anybody's ever done it before. It just seems really unique. Um, but it's called Thunderbirds I Go. It's on in Britain at the moment, um, only. It is going to be coming to America from what I read, but it is a very British thing. If you're a fan of Thunderbirds, you probably already know this exists and have seen it. Um, I think some of the online video streaming services like Amazon can, you can rent it. So give it a look. It's Thunderbirds Ago. It's uh, the third episode as today, actually. Uh, so that's everything for me for this week. Sid, what's for dinner? Tonight, the dinner will be leftover pasta. This time, it will have mushroom sauce, gravy, whatever you want to call it, and some vegetables. I'm really going full out here. Vegetables and pasta. Sounds good. I'm, <laughs> I'm getting hungry. Because do we have a Master Chef to watch? Because that's always a good. Uh, no, we watched them oh, yesterday. Oh damn! And then I made some out of the can cinnamon rolls because that just sounded really yummy. And my advice, you asked for my advice. I didn't I ask it, hear. but I will ask it. What's your advice? You rarely ask for my advice <laughs> once a week during this podcast. Um, that it's one of its advice. It's. My personal observation that you don't have to be involved in a thing to be involved. For example, I like to make things for people who have events and whatnot. I don't need to be a part of the planning, like a wedding, for example, of a young cousin who's about to get married. with this my first cousin's son. And his young lady is just awesome. I really love her. And the other young couples that we've had in our family recently love all the new married-in people. And she's really super enthusiastic and she's open-minded. But she's not a great... Um, she's pretty motivated and ambitious and everything. But she's not keeping up with what all the my-age women of the family think she should be doing. Oh, you should have had your invitations out three weeks ago. And, uh. Oh, you should have that. You know, like that kind of shit. And I just encourage her to do it her own way. That's my only involvement. I'm not involved in the wedding planning. However, she knows I do artwork stuff. She knows I like to make things. She knows I love her. And so she's like, would you mind to do the invitation design? You know, I just want to do something like this and like that. And she sends me her, she loves Pinterest. She sends me images. I draw the thing. I ask her her favorite flower. I draw the flower. She loves it. It's like a butterfly with a milkweed in it. She's in love with it. That's And I did like a rough draft and that's the one she wants, right? Well, I don't have to be involved in the wedding planning. I don't need to tell her when to send them or how big to make it or anything like that or what kind of paper to put it on. I just like the involvement of knowing I've helped contribute even if no one else knows but she and I and Logan, the husband to me, that I did it. You know, they could think she got off a website somewhere. I don't give a shit. 
It's just being involved from a distance. You know, mm. I've made wedding, I mean, um, birthday banners for parties for people that I only know them at my work. And the banner is for like their grandma or their mom's new boyfriend or something like that. I don't even know those people. But the being involved from a distance, you can, you know, add something to that event or to that thing. So you can apply that to most things, you know. I don't have to be involved with, I don't know. Well, some things I like to take over, like my class reunions. I like to run those completely. But other than that, <laughs> I've learned to balance it out. I don't need to be the person who's like, you know, well, if I'm making your invitation, then I'm going to decide every little detail. I'm, you know, I just, I like knowing that something I've contributed, whether it's anonymous or not, is a part of that thing. I think some people think it's you're all or nothing. Well, if I'm going to be part of this wedding thing, I, oh, it sounds like a big responsibility and I don't want to have to do this. And uh, You don't have to do all that. No. You just little tiny things. Little tiny, tiny, you know? A lot of tiny things makes a big thing. One thing at one time, I went to my niece's wedding. She had ordered her cake from her friend who made her cake for her. Lovely young lady who actually tripped on the way up the stairs with the cake in her hand and sort of fell on one little side of it and got her dress all caked up. The, not my not my niece, but the lady who made the cake. Caked up. And the cake was fine. It was it was good. It was neutral. You you were there. You remember. And um, as they were talking, I heard them discuss. The the young lady said to my niece something about, "Oh, it's a hundred dollars, and don't worry about, it, don't worry about, it, you know." So then I went to the young lady later, paid her for the cake. As part of, without telling Ashley. So then when Ashley went and talked to her, you know, and she didn't remember my name or anything, the girl, so she's like, I think it was your aunt who came with me, like, you know, just like little, you know, little things. Don't have to be in charge of it all. All right. So before the dog drives us all crazy, <laughs> let's remind you about our website. It's com. You can catch us on social networks, Twitter and Facebook. You can also catch this podcast, stitcher.com, search for after the show iTunes Music Store, Microsoft Podcast Thing, <laughs> and the uh, RSS feed, ascoli.com. Click on the word podcast. You can subscribe there. Email feedback to me at ascoli at ascoli.com. Don't email SidTalk. And finally, uh, stay classy. I was going to say stay classy, Michael Bay, but he's far from classy, isn't he? Yes. Uh, stay classy, uh, all you ninja turtles. Nice. I'm going to say think for yourself, because if you don't do it, somebody will do it for you.